The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. house we escaped the asylum we protected the coven we attended the freak show we checked into the hotel we had a roanoke nightmare we joined the cult we stopped the apocalypse we survived 1984 we watched the double feature now we will survive nyc welcome to are you afraid nyc a pop PapiChuloRadio.com original series, Papichula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on FX's American Horror Story, NYC. Please welcome my co-hosts, Madison Fitzpatrick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And Priscilla Obregón. Hey, everybody. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 11, Episode 1, which was titled Something's Coming and aired October 19th, 2022. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Mysterious deaths and disappearances ramp up in the city. A doctor makes a frightening discovery and a local reporter becomes tomorrow's headline. Dun, dun, dun. All right, listeners, we're here for the double episode premiere of American Horror Story NYC. We will just be covering the first installment in this podcast, and in the next podcast, we'll get into hour two. So uh, let's get into it. A very different feel for American Horror Story. We did not get the usual doong-doong in this installment, and we had a good 20 minutes uninterrupted on FX to sort of set everything up. We were introduced to so many new characters in this episode, and clearly something nefarious is going down in the Big Apple based off of what we saw in just hour one. We can't even get into just yet what happened in hour two, but so much shit went down. The opening was interesting. It was, um, you know, it was a a pilot. I guess you know they're making a stop in New York City, and uh, even though he's married, he decides to dabble in some extracurricular activities, the type of stuff that he can't get at home, which is going to a gay leather bar. And then we're introduced to a mysterious stranger, which we'll get into in a moment because I have a whole question about Big Daddy that's separate from this. But as far as just the opening, did it set the mood for what's to come? Because not only did we see that, but we actually saw a beheaded dead body within the first couple minutes of American Horror Story. Priscilla? Talk to me about the opening. What'd you think? Um, is it weird that like I I was we Vinny's gonna come on this podcast uh in a couple of episodes, so he'll probably be the one to say this. But he had told me before that he suspected that it was gonna be a serial killer thing with the uh the club scene. Actually, and... that was me, and I'm gonna brag about that in a moment. <laughs> did you yeah uh, well i guess i'll say it now um so we were chatting it was madison was not there because this was a different podcast but we were sort of chatting in between podcasts and uh it was the day maybe it was the day or it was the week that all of the promotional imagery came out and priscilla was like you can't trust the promotional imagery because they have lied to us remember because last season we thought it might be like a sirene type of situation that shit didn't happen but um but but yeah so we were we were looking at the promotional imagery and that imagery and then the um 
I don't want to call it a trailer because it wasn't a trailer with footage. So it was like the artistic trailer, which they have done in the past. That came out, and it was like the club scene, and it was SNM stuff. And it, and then I said, please don't tell me that the next season is going to be the '80s, the club scene, and a serial killer. You and then right. that's pretty much what we saw. And so yeah. I predicted it, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I predicted it. And Priscilla, you were worried that the imagery was not going to correlate. There is a whole bunch of S and M in this series. So uh, they proved you wrong. They actually did the imagery. And it's fairly like, is it weird to say like it's fairly representative? Like from I obviously like I'm not a gay man in the eighties that's lived through it, so I I can't know for sure, but like from what I've read up on it, like it's fairly accurate. Especially like with the uh, Leather Daddy Kink and the weird like clubs and like kinda people hanging out under bridges, which Apparently, Jeff, uh, Ryan Murphy loves because he did that last season. But, like... He did do that. Well, it was a peer. But, but yes. Yeah, it's the, I, I appreciate that they got the grittiness of it. Because usually, like, when it's S&M, it's, it's polished. It's, it's more, like... I don't even want to say a healthy imagery, but, like, it's more Fifty Shades, like, tame. It's sanitized for the mainstream audience. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't get the feel of that with this show. Like, everything about it just feels dirty. And I don't particularly mind it. The only thing, the only criticism I have is uh, a very selfish one. And that's that just as, like, a viewer that's, like, not, hasn't lived through that. Like, it's really hard for me to to latch on to a character and say, like, I understand your struggle and I sympathize with you and I want you to survive. From now, like, everybody just seems kind of really detached to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. Uh, Well, I do have a a, a carrier pigeon showed up and I do have a message from Vinny because we had talked about it earlier. And he had referenced that he felt... The vibe, especially of this first episode, felt very different than anything we've seen before in American Horror Story. Which he also said he wasn't sure if that was going to be a good or a bad thing. But as I watched it as well, I picked up upon that too. Uh, You know, this is set in 1981, New York City. You know, we have seen series past that have been... Uh, that have taken place in the past. But this one, it, it had a different, fresher feel to it. And Madison, I want to bring you to the conversation. Would you agree? Did you feel like you were watching American Horror Story in particular with this very first episode and how it opened? It's funny that you even like bring that up. You know, did this feel like American Horror Story? Well, we were kind of talking about how this season was a little bit rushed in regards of promoting it and just all of a sudden we have a a new season. Jeffrey Dahmer just came out. Okay. And that is also a Ryan Murphy production. And watching this first episode, I was like, is this the next episode of Dahmer that I'm watching? Mm -hmm. Like it just, the vibes and the consistent, like it, it felt to me the same. So I wasn't like, and especially not having the, um, American Horror Story um, intro that we're so used to, that threw me off as well. Because I kind of almost forgot what I was watching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like, yeah, there was that disconnect uh, in like the creepiness, I want to say, like the supernaturalness that we're, we're used to from American Horror Story. And all I got was kind of, this is the second season of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, and that's when I made the prediction to both Priscilla and Vinny, that was the thing that I was worried about. You know, one of the things I was like, okay, so Ryan Murphy just did Dahmer for Netflix. Is this his inspiration for this? Like, is this now, you know, sort of like a riff on that? Based off of what we saw over the course of both episodes, and I I don't want to 
dive into the next episode because we have another podcast for that. But I can sort of uh, lightly and tangentially say it doesn't feel like we're getting that, which is a good thing because, uh, you know, Dahmer was its own thing. You know, it's doing incredibly well on Netflix, whether you liked it or not, whether you think it's um, glorifying Dahmer or if it's if you feel that it's giving a voice to the victims, whatever it is your argument is, just because I've been reading a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of different opinions on social media about it. That is its own thing. You know, we do have the 80s vibe here, and clearly we're dealing with murders of gay men in New York City in this series. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the Dahmer series. I'm assuming you have, uh, Maddie, because you are a true crime aficionado. Uh, but do you feel like the vibe is 100% the same, or... Does it feel like does it feel like sort of Ryan Murphy sort of like cribbed <laughs> Dahmer, or do you feel like it's, it's maybe interp not interpreted, but um it may be maybe because he was already thinking of that. That's where the vibes came for this one. But it's is it different? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of dealing in the same year, um, you know, like the the same time frame, um, in the, in the states, right? Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with marginalized invulnerable men. Uh, so it's like, it, it's the same vibe, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're getting this murder and this like horrible, these horrible acts and you're getting that aspect to it. It just, it just felt like, okay, this is the same thing. Like it, it's, it's definitely not, you know, last season with aliens and vampires, like, yeah. you know what I mean? So to have you know, Dahmer come out and now this American Horror Story come out so suddenly after, I just felt like it's, it's, they're kind of bleeding into each other mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, just because we're talking about the gay community still, we're talking about horrific murders. Um, and we're talking about a time where, um, you know, the black community was very vulnerable. Um, and, the police, you know, were taking advantage of that and, and, and they were being abused. And so it like I like I said, similarities for both of these uh, shows. And they're just to me, in my opinion, are bleeding together. And I just I'm not like it's not that I'm not a fan of it. I'm just I feel like this is like the second season of Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it just I wish there was a bit more of a a bigger change in in the shows, like a difference. Yeah, like something more supernatural, I guess. Okay, well, actually, well, yeah, because there doesn't seem to be anything supernatural as of yet. But there can always be a twist. This is American Horror mm-hmm. Story. One more follow-up. I know, yeah. Priscilla, you want to jump in on something, but just one more quick follow-up with you, Madison, because you've seen the Dahmer series. Stylistically, like visually, is this similar? Uh, the only reason I ask is because, you know, as Vinny said, and as I noticed uh, upon watching this, the style seems just a little different. I don't know if it's maybe some of what Priscilla was saying that it's a little bit more grittier, um, darker, and, and maybe even more realistic. I don't know what the proper term is, but do you notice is the style of how they shot Dahmer similar here as well, or did it feel AHSE to you in it in the cinematography? I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about it while I was watching the episodes, and um, well stylistically both of them are dark uh you're they're both in the city uh and they're both somewhat gory i want to say Dahmer's maybe a bit more of that gore factor but um creative wise i feel like american horror story has more of that um i noticed a lot of the the camera um positions were incredible there was a lot of there was some turning and they brought back this type of cinematography that i'm in love with i don't know if you guys noticed it but it has to do with the uh focus on the camera so you have something in front of you and then you have something far away so let's say i'm sitting on the bed and somebody else sitting by or standing by the door the camera is near me but both of us are in focus which is extremely hard to do, but it's a simple thing on the camera. But that, they brought that back in in so many times during this episode, um, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just wish there was more maybe creepiness to stuff or, you know, um, I don't know. Like I said, other, other than those few things, uh, I would find them very similar, yeah. 
Okay, Priscilla, you were going to say something before I asked uh, the quick follow-up to Madison. So I looked it up, and apparently Dahmer, like, exists during 1978 to 1991. So it's kind of in the same time frame. But I will say that, like, the victims are different because that was one of my biggest critiques that, like, usually I feel more connected when I see, like, a POC character. But we're supposed to sympathize a lot with, like, a gay white man. Like, most of them are, like, gay white men. I love how Priscilla's currently, like... Fuck the gay white men. They can die. <laughs> 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 Listeners, you can tweet Priscilla if you like. Uh, that's, I, I can't with you, Priscilla. But, um, okay. Uh, th- yes, well, it's also, it's New York City. Uh, you know, it, it's in the 80s. And, uh, I mean, the, the realness of what they're doing, clearly on American Horror Story, you know, in this sort of lens. I mean, they are bringing awareness to, you know, the 80s being a very difficult time for gay men, period, in New York City. So some of that is is reality, but I understand what you're saying, Priscilla, that, you know, on Dahmer, because Dahmer was specifically targeting gay men of color, uh, there was that sort of difference to what we're seeing here on um, AHS NYC. We're going to stick a pin in all of this because what I want to shift to right now is the storyline that feels completely like it's its own show within this show. Because I'm so confused by it. Oh, dude. Same. (laughs) Let's talk about, she's our girl. We love us some Billy Lord, my Lord Billy Lord. She plays a biologist by the name of Dr. Hannah Wells. And she ends up showing her boss a sample of this mutating contagion that she collected on Fire Island. It's um, it's giving deers seizures, skin infections, these weird lesions, and liver failure. And she basically warns the mayor that the virus could destroy the deer population. And because it's becoming an epidemic amongst the deers, it could leap to humans if it hasn't already so that the thing that they need to do is in essence to contain this disease is to euthanize all of the deer on the island and we see by the end of the episode they have uh, you know gathered all of the deer and uh, even though you know she says it's wrong it's it's necessary and so they euthanize the deer we get a little bit more of this in the next episode, so I, I don't want to delve into that because, once again, we have another podcast for that. But when we saw this in the first episode, what did we think this was? Where does it go? Where did you think it was going to go? This was its own isolated thing. It was literally just a couple scenes of Billy Lord getting her science on. Maddie, your take on this storyline, and do you think it's going to dovetail with everything else somehow man i just a i was so happy like you said to see billy on the screen again um but yeah i was so confused so confused um and then obviously because of what we have been seeing you know the 80s gay men and uh, the first thing i thought was aids that came to my head and I was like oh, are we doing is this what we're doing really and then I'm like hopefully this is not what it is and it's something completely different like you know just turning the tables and having some sort of like Ryan Murphy's take on on that time you know what I mean like Quentin Tarantino, you know, when he does his stuff where he takes a story and completely changes it to his version type deal. Um, I don't like, I don't know. Like, like you said, it was a completely different storyline. Doesn't connect with anything and it's just kind of out there. But those were my thoughts at first. And you know what? We must be twin flames because when I was watching, I was like, is this going to be an allegory to HIV, to like the AIDS crisis, to that sort of thing? Because, I mean, they did mention lesions and that sort of stuff. And I was like, I was like, is this what you're saying? Like, create like this is the creation, like 
I would. Well, what? because I mean, let's be real. I mean, did, it did not come from deers, so let's just put that out there. <laughs> but this could be, as you're saying, Ryan Murphy's kind of remixed interpretation to somehow make it correlate with the other storyline. How it's going to correlate with everything else that I don't know. Uh, Priscilla, your thoughts on the Good Doctor? Um, I'm gonna echo what Madison said and just thank the Lord that Billy Lord is like back on my screen. But as for what I thought, I was like, why, why, dear? Is it like you can't even? I I, I would be like, is it maybe birds with like birds with with sickness going that way? Because it's weird to think of, like, a transmitted disease going from deer to humans. Unless they're talking about ticks and the bloodborne disease that way. But it's the 80s and it's gay men. So automatically, like, your your vo- your brain should chime, ding, 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 AIDS crisis. But it's, it, like, it's nonsense. It, it, it Like you said, Jeffrey, like, it doesn't pass that way. So I was just really confused. Like, it... I, I concentrated really hard on those scenes because I wanted to figure it out, but I still can't really make the connection between that one, that those scenes and the scenes that we'll discuss later. Okay. And I guess we'll leave it at that because we, we do, we will be discussing more of uh, Dr. Wells in the next episode. So let's talk about the two characters that we saw the most in this episode, that is police detective Patrick Reed and his partner who owns uh, the local gay newspaper, Gino Borelli. Uh, we have, um, you know, through little bits of conversation, uh, we learn that, uh, that Gino, not Gino, sorry, that uh, Patrick is closeted and uh, that puts a little bit of a strain in their relationship, especially when uh, things are happening in the city that Gino is reporting on that uh, he feels Patrick um, isn't able to help at all in. So uh, what do we think of the dynamic between Patrick and Gino in this first episode? Uh, yeah, we'll start off with that. Priscilla? I hated it. Like, again, you're supposed to sympathize with these characters. And I sympathize with Gino hardcore because, like, his partner is, like, he acts like a closeted man. Like, but in the worst possible way because he could affect change. But he is a closeted man. We have to remember it's the 1980s. <laughs> I don't know. But, like... It takes someone brave to step up and do something about it. And even if he doesn't want to out himself, like, at the very least, he could do his fucking job and, like, investigate more into, like, the the deaths. But he's allowing other cops to handle the case and be like, whoops, I'm sorry. Or, like, basically, like, just saying we'll do what we can but does nothing. Like, it's it's frustrating. I don't like him. And I feel like he's got secrets beyond that. Like, it's just, I don't like him. I don't want him to survive. There's nothing going on with him. And a part of me is like, you're better than this, Gino. Like, you are obviously, like, a a part of me is like, well, what the hell? Like, this is a LGBT publication and you're not allowing um, stuff from lesbians. What the hell is up with that? That's terrible. But it's nothing that's, like, death-worthy. Like, it's just him trying to cater to what he knows. Other than that, like, yeah. I, I The the character I come closest to sympathizing with is Gino. And I'm hoping we see, like, I'm hoping I get more attached to him. It, it hasn't, I haven't gotten attached to him enough yet in the first episode. Neither the second, but maybe, maybe things will get better. Okay. I guess I'll have a follow-up with you, because certain, something happens to Gino that I'm curious as to, because you're like, well, I'm not attached to him. Um, well, I'll see what you have to say in regards to that. Uh, we have so many characters to get through. This first episode introduced us to so many people. So outside of Patrick and Gino, we're introduced to 
a character by the name of Adam. And uh, Adam is going out with uh, one of his friends. And, uh, um, and, you know, they go to under a bridge. It's sort of a hookup area. And uh, Adam gets spooked out by, uh, by a mysterious man in leather. He calls out to his friend, Sully. Sully interrupts his hookup in the woods to find Adam when he bumps into the mysterious leather individual. And a scream is heard, and Adam never finds Sully again. While that's happening, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Patrick, you know, had gone, um, the way that we were introduced to Patrick, he um, is the officer on the scene when a headless male body in leather pants uh, with no identification is found. Later on in the episode, a head is found, even though the coroner isn't sure if that head belongs to said body. And so now Sully is missing, and Adam does his best to research what's happened because um, because the police are not willing to help at all. So he does his research, and that leads him to a photographer by the name of Theo Graves. We're going to stop right here, and I want to talk about Adam. Maddie, Maddie Fitz, what did you think of Adam? So far, Priscilla has been saying that she hasn't really been, you know, connecting with any of the characters. Did you like Adam? What did you think of him? Uh, were you uh, along for the ride for his journey of finding out who killed his friend? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, for the most part, him and uh, Gino seem like the most level-headed characters in this whole show. Uh, so yeah, of course he wants justice for his friend and he wants to figure out what happened. I mean, you were literally in the park with him and then all of a sudden you don't see him again. He doesn't come home. Uh, yeah, like red flags, <laughs> lots of red flags. So yeah, I'd be pissed and yeah, I like Adam and, uh, thank God we're seeing, I don't know his name, but Theo, the character, that actor, I did enjoy him in the last season of American Horror Story, and I'm so happy that they gave him a character that is normal-ish. Intelligent, at least. Yeah, let's yeah. say, and not pregnant. Not pregnant. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is that as well. Yeah, he was one of the highlights from that very messy uh, UFO messy situation <laughs> at the end of last season. So I'm glad he's back as well, and let's actually talk about him. So... Uh, Okay, so Adam ends up going to a bathhouse, uh, who is, the bathhouse is, is um, enjoying the wonderful voice of uh, Patty LaPone <laughs> singing to them. And, and can I just interrupt you there? Yes. Another point that I wanted to make was the bathhouses. The bathhouses are a frequent thing in the Jeffrey Dahmer series. So that ah. is also why it's like, okay, here we are. We're in like the same area, same place. Like I get it, it's the same time and stuff, but it just, like I said, it just, it, it felt like I was just watching another season. But yeah, continue. Okay, all right. Uh, we don't really get to know anything about Patty Lapone's character. I will say based off of uh, just IMDb, her character's name is Kathy. So there's that. But she sang beautifully. And while all of that is going on, Adam ends up inquiring about an image he sees at the bathhouse. It looks exactly like the man that he had seen at the park under the bridge, whom maybe he, sus he suspects could have had something to do with Sully's disappearance. So he asks the bartender, you know, who is that? And he's like, well, I don't really know, but the photographer is over there. That is one Theo Graves. He ends up going to Theo's loft studio to ask some questions. Uh, we do get a, a tiny bit of the supernatural in the fact that at least Theo says that he's got a little bit of psychic intuition that was passed down from his Haitian grandmother. So... There is that. If that was just a story point or something that we will revisit in the future, I don't know. But there's a, there was a tinge of the supernatural right there. He agrees to answer questions from Adam, but Adam has to pose for him. 
And so he does, and the only bit of information that he gets is the man in the photo is called Big Daddy. No one knew his real name. That's all he knows. And uh, as Adam leaves, um, Sam ends up entering, and Sam is Theo's uh, boyfriend, sugar daddy, agent, all of the above. And, uh, and we get a little bit of a taste of their relationship dynamic. We learn that uh, Theo has a big cocaine habit. We also learn that Theo initially started snapping sort of like SNME, um, very sort of risque and sexual photos, but then he's evolved past that, but he still ends up doing that type of work for incredibly high paying, uh, to, for an incredibly high paying rich male clientele. We're going to stop right here. So, um, yes, Priscilla, talk to me about Theo. What did you think of him? What did you think of his dynamic with Sam? First of all, like, I gotta say, his disc- his discussion of, like, wanting to find beauty in the perverse was, like, just eye-opening for me. Because I've read about, like, the behaviors that lead to, like, the HIV epidemic and how, like, easy it is. Like, what happened with um, Sully and Adam under the bridge or the bathhouses. Like, things like that have the propensity to, like, cause it clinically. But, like, it never really, like, was visceral to me or, like, real or, like... And I never really got the point to it until he mentioned that. And I was like, that really is what people are, like, are living for. For just, like, the edge for the beauty and the perverse. And I feel like that's kind of the theme of American horror stories in general, like, and I feel like, I don't know. I just, I really liked his discussion with Adam and I, I was pissed when it was interrupted by his boyfriend. I was like, Oh, and that's that I love Zachary Quinto, but Zachary Quinto is playing like a skeezy motherfucker. Like, and not even that, like he's, he's kind of feeding into Theo's like drug habit because Theo doesn't go for the coke by himself. He goes and, like, basically, like, spoon feeds it to his nostrils. Like, (laughs) I love that description, but it's true. So, like, I don't know. And you're right, Uh, Madison. Like, I, if if there's anyone that that, that I should be rooting for, it's Adam because he's got, like, he's got noble intentions. And he's not playing the game stupidly. Like, he, he's, he's honestly trying to find out what happened to Sully. So, I like him. And, uh, again, I've, I remember this, this actor from Teen Wolf. So, a part of me was, like, trying to erase that from my memory. Cause, I like, remember him from Desperate Housewives. Ah, uh, what was he? Oh, wait, oh, wait. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Adam, right? Max Carver, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played the twins. Remember in Desperate Housewives, there was a season where there was like a major time jump and the twins aged up? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see that. But, like, I don't know. I just, I liked most of, of, of this portion of the episode. Even, and, oh my god, Fever? <gasps> like, a part of me was like, You've got Patty LuPone. What do you what do you have her doing a lower register song for? Like she can belt out tunes, make her like work for her money. But another part of me is like this song is one of my favorite songs, and the way she sings it is just so sexy. I, I love it. It's beautiful. So yeah, that that that's my opinion on that. I don't think they want her belting anything out in, in the bathhouse. <laughs> It'll drown out the moans or something. That's I don't true. Know. Uh, it's too much. Okay, so let's see. All right, so we've talked about everybody except for we got a couple more people to get through. Let's talk really quick about Barbara. Leslie Grossman, who we have been enjoying on American Horror Story throughout these past couple seasons, she plays a character that Patrick meets in a coffee shop. Turns out she is his ex-wife. 
they're trying to be amicable about the situation. Uh, you know, he cares for her still, but uh, he basically presents her with the divorce papers that she needs to sign. A tiny, tiny scene for her, but um, Maddie, I'll just ask you just a general question. We're going to get more from her in the next episode, but in this first scene, in this first episode with her, what did you think of Barbara? I mean, pretty small part for her. Um, Obviously, I hope that we see more. Um, She seems pretty chill compared to what we've seen her in other seasons. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see if her character becomes something more sinister or, you know, she plays a bigger role. Um, but other than that, yeah, very low key for the first episode. I wasn't digging for her. I was like, why are you calling her honey? You obviously didn't love her because, (laughs) like, you were gay. You were with somebody else. You're, you're basically living almost married together, like. With somebody else. Why are you calling her honey and giving her a kiss on the cheek? That's totally mixed signals. Fuck you. I really don't like this guy. Okay, same. Yeah, death to the cop. Definitely death to the cop. For sure. Like, immediate, like, vibes. Like, I was, you know, going to chime in earlier, but Priscilla's right. The first scene, you know, with, with Patrick and Gino in the apartment having spaghetti bolognese, I, I immediately was like, nope, nope. Do you not like this? Nope. I, I, Patrick gives me the wrong vibes, and I'm here for Gino, and that's it. Yeah, Patrick gives me the wrong vibes as well. But the actor is playing a good job of a character from that time period. I mean, I think we're all sort of watching oh, this in our 2022 mindset. I mean, he's a police officer that's gay, or that has recently... Uh, at least accepted his own sexuality. He hadn't accepted it when uh, he married Barbara. You know, he thought he could do it, but he couldn't. So they're getting a divorce. I don't know how long him and Gino have been together. So that's going to be interesting. Was he cheating on Barbara with Gino? We need to get a bigger backstory in regards to them as a couple. I just don't like how he's like so flip-floppy. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I don't disagree I with you. What... I, I think he could, as Priscilla said, try to find a way to slowly mm-hmm. do something to help his community. But I think he's just scared. I mean, you Like, know. I understand. Like, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, at that time, you know, closeted gay men, like, this is how it was. Like, I get that. I 100% get that. You know, the pressures of, of being who you are and all that stuff I do. But there's something else that's bugging me. Like, there's something else on top of mm-hmm. all of that that I just, I don't know what it is yet. Um, and obviously, we see some things in uh, the next episode that are a little worrisome. But even before then, I was just automatically like, nah, there's something not right about this character. Um but no, yeah, I don't like, listen. We'll yeah, I don't fully disagree with you. There was a part of me that was sizing him up to see if he could be Big Daddy. So um, I was, I was, you know, I was like looking at him. I was like, "There's." You're like, "What does this head look at? Like looking wrapped in leather? I don't, I don't know." <laughs> exactly. I was like, "Is this the same physique?" I was like, "Cause there's something off with Patrick." I don't disagree with you. Uh, we're going to get into that a lot more in the next episode. So uh, to continue on here. Gino ends up going to a local sort of like gay lounge slash bar called the Brownstone. And he gets some intel from the bartender to chat with a regular patron by the name of Henry, the great Dennis O'Hare, an AHS veteran. And, you know, they talk about, you know... Well, he starts questioning him because he's like, you know, there's a killer out there. And then they get into sort of like... You know, the larger idea of, okay, so are you going to tell all these gay men in this city to protect themselves? Do you really think they will? You know, all these bars are filled, and this is out of the other. And uh, Gino basically is like, but if we can change, you know, a couple of people and get the the word out there and have people be a little bit more um, cautious and noticeable about what's going down, you know, maybe that could be a, a benefit to this. And so... Henry ends up saying that he 
he sees a man, especially towards closing time, that specifically targets men that are less desirable than the most. You know, the ones that are still at the bar, haven't found somebody to hook up with, haven't found somebody to go home with. And he ends up leaving with them, and they are, they're never seen again. He never sees them walk into the bar again. And um, he says he can't really pinpoint what the man looks like, because he's usually sort of three sheets to the wind by that point. But, uh, but yeah, and, and he also says, please do not use my name. You know, I'm in the phone book. You know, I'm not trying to get the killer to kill me. And he also notes that the, the victims tend to be drinking Mai Tais. So there's that. Okay, let's talk about this. I know we all love Dennis O'Hare, so I want to get both of y'all's take on what did we think of Henry? Uh, were we excited to see Dennis O'Hare again? Uh, I'll start off with you, Maddie Fitz. Um, honestly, I, like, I love Dennis O'Hare. I do, I do, I do. I wasn't feeling this character. I don't know if it was just because it was kind of similar to last season when he kind of played that, um, rich, important type of person. Um, you know, nice suits, nice hair. Hated the blonde on him. Good God. Um, but... Yeah, no, not a, not a fan of this character. Glad he's back, but just not of a fan of this character. Okay. Priscilla, do you agree, or are you on the opposite side of the spectrum? Part of me is like, is this... Well, I'm just going to come out and say it. I didn't think his hair was blonde. I thought it was white. So I was like, Dennis O'Hare looks fucking old in this. What is an old twink doing at a bar trying to pick up people? He's not going to get anybody. What? It explains why he's three sheets to the wind. He's probably buying drinks for himself and, like, not getting picked up by anybody. Which is weird, because that would have been, like, the perfect catch for the Mai Tai Killer, whatever the hell you're going to call him. Like Big Daddy. Oh, well, no, no, Mai Tai Killer, Mai I think, Tai is a different killer. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mai Tai Killer. I love it. But it's just... It, it it made no sense to me why he was the one informing people. I guess it's because, like, they really want Dennis O'Hare on the show, so they're like... Having him as, like, just an informant. And I'm guessing they were try Like, Maddie's probably right. And he was supposed to be blonde. But those lights, it makes him look fucking old. Maybe it's because I'm watching too much House of the Dragon. But, like, it looks white. And a part of me is just maybe... I loved the, the, the fresh blood that we got from most of the actors. And seeing him come back, after, like, again and again and again, it's kind of, it's not as spicy for me anymore. So I, I, I can totally see where Maddie's coming from in that, like, I wasn't enthused to see him. Okay. I liked Henry, so I guess I'm, I'm on the opposite end of both of you. Um, I enjoyed Dennis O'Hare. I will agree there might be similarities in the character that he had uh, during the first half of Double Feature, but I, I still liked him. I, I do agree. I think whatever it was, whether it was blonde or white, I think it was white too, Priscilla. Um, I think it aged him, but I think he's supposed to be aged in this as this character you know this seems to be the character that you know maybe has a little bit of money you know is a part of the community maybe as as uh maddie was saying you know maybe the upper echelons of the gay community in nyc at least in this this area of the city and uh i, I probably agree with you as well priscilla you know uh he's either there going out just to be seen and to see because some people are people watchers and uh, I don't know if he's hooking up, but clearly he's not if he's, um, you know, feeling lit by closing time. So while we're at the bar, though, we see Sam, who ends up setting up a photo shoot with an up-and-coming actor by the name of Freddie. Uh, they Basically, he wants to take some really provocative photos of Freddie. Freddie's not really down for that cause, but he's like, hey, these are going to be bought by the people that are going to hire you. So this is, in essence, Can we your... just talk about how he asked, what's your pain intolerance? Well, yes, there is that. 
Um, so in essence, he's like, this is your debut. So uh, yeah, like you should, you should agree with this. And so he does. He gets an address to uh, the loft. We see this big daddy person standing guard outside. Sam tells uh, Theo that uh, the photo shoot needs to be saucier. So uh, he's like, what is this? You know, uh, I don't remember what he said. Was it Playgirl or something? Like, let's turn this up a notch. And he flips over a wooden stool and hands Freddy some lubricants. Clearly, we can surmise what happened. Sam wants some of the photos for his private collection, and Theo ends up asking Sam about Big Daddy, just sort of casually bringing it up. And Sam is like, oh, you know, I think Big Daddy died years ago. We just saw him outside. I'm just saying. Okay, uh, so Theo ends up meeting Adam at the bathhouse, and basically is like, the Big Daddy is dead. But Adam's like, no, 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 I saw him. And he's like, well, maybe it isn't the same guy. You know, maybe it's just someone who's that aesthetic. And um, it, it looked like Adam was interpreting that Theo wanted to hook up. And Adam's like, no, I'm still grieving my friend. I'm not really looking for that right now. And he's like, oh, no, don't worry. Like, I like anonymous encounters. And there you go. So let's talk about this. Well, actually, no, let's one more stick another pin into this. Freddie ends up approaching Adam. And he gets turned down. And so Freddy ends up following this other dude into the steam room, and Big Daddy was there. All right, so now we can stop. Let's talk about what happened at the loft and what happened at the bathhouse. Oh, that's so skeezy. It just reminds me of, like, Marilyn Monroe and how, like, you Hafner basically took her nude photos without her permission and, like, didn't pay her shit and just, like, made a whole bunch of money off of it. Like, it, it's got, like, that skeezy feeling. And it's all that boyfriend, Zachary Quinto's character. And right, the fact he's so that, like, smarmy. The fact that, like, you put the, the stool the other way around and it's, like, get naked, I'm like, what are you guys planning to do with that stool? You know exactly what they did with that stool. I know. I felt bad for that after. I felt, like, bad and also feel, like, Man, you're an idiot. Really? You're going to fall for this hole? The rich people are the ones that hire you. They're using you as meat for their photos. Leave. Back the hell off. But, yeah. That guy's going to meet a sticky end. I know it. And, ah, Big Daddy in the bathhouse. Is he is he going to be kind of like Freddy or something? Where he just kind of, like, looms silently and scarily and, like, Dances you? Like, I don't know. The part of me is scared of him. Because, like, he's a big guy. But another part of me is, like, um, most of the leather daddies that I know are, like, really nice. So his costume just, like, is weird to me. Like, it, it's a dichotomy. But that's just me. So, yeah. I have my own theory about Big Daddy, but I can't give my theory until the next podcast. So stay tuned. <laughs> listeners and my co-hosts stay tuned so the episode ends with something shocking happening and that is gino ends up leaving the bar and he starts seeing things blurrily we realize and he realizes that he's been drugged and he gets helped into a mysterious car by a mysterious man. Bum, bum, bum. So, without going into the next episode, because we're going to get into that momentarily, just how the episode ended with Gino being abducted. Good grief, right? I was not ready for that. Right? Because this is one of our main characters. We've spent a lot of time with Gino, in this episode and it's like wow i was like priscilla was talking about how she couldn't connect with any of the characters and i will say this many of the characters are unlikable but i still felt a sense of dread for all of them 
you know, maybe because it was the time period, it's the fact that, you know, we were sort of, um, you know, just getting that repeated theme of the police is not helping the community out, that I was worried for everybody. Everywhere they were going, I was like, oh, shit, please don't die. Please don't die. Like, you know, I'm just now getting to know you, but please don't die. And then Gino gets abducted, and I'm like, shit, please don't die. Like, you can't die. You're like one of the main stars of this. Yeah, a part of me was like, has this ever happened in American Horror Story before? The closest I can think of is um that redheaded witch from American Horror Story that had sex with the witch hunter, and he killed her. But even then, it wasn't as in-depth as Gino. So if if he had been killed... I would have been shocked. But the end was shocking nonetheless. I think the only thing that I did not reference at all is we met a character by the name of Fran, played by the great Sandra Bernhard. Uh, she had a tiny moment going to complain at uh, Gino's uh, newspaper, The Native, uh, basically complaining that um, there were no there was no lesbian representation in... Uh, the uh, newspaper and um, basically he says that he's much more concerned about you know the gay men being targeted to which Fran ends up giving uh, her switchblade to him for uh, protection. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts about Fran. Uh, it was kind of weird to see Sandra Bernhard in the AHS universe but um, I liked how sort of big and bold and brash she is. But she usually plays big and bold and brash characters. I hope this isn't a twist and she's a bad guy. Because her giving him the switchblade I thought was really sweet. Especially when he's going against all of what she believes in. All of what she basically is as a lesbian. And how she's not getting representation in the magazine. And he's treating her really rudely. But she still helps him out. So I like her. For now. For now. All right, was there anything that I missed? A tiny moment that either of you would like to discuss before we get into the MVP and we rate this thing. All right, MVP time. The most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Maddie Fitz, you're up first. Who is your MVP and why? Well, I think this is pretty obvious for me as a fellow journalist. <laughs> Uh, Gino, oh, nice. just because, um, you know, he's probably the character that has the most sense and is the most real, other than Adam. Um, but yeah, I just, I like his vibe. Obviously, uh, I hope he's okay uh, after this episode because I don't know what's going to happen to him. And yeah, I, yeah, Gino, my MVP. I love how you're saying you don't know what's going to happen, but we saw the next episode. But I, I like it. You know, you're going but with the theme that we're just focusing on the first. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Priscilla, who's your MVP and why? Um, I'm going to go for Adam because you guys basically, like, reaffirmed that he is a character that I could grow to be fond over and, like, care if he dies because he's almost like the young ingenue. Like, the guy like with the heart of gold is trying to just help his friend out and just went through a terrible breakup and like isn't really interested in the scene but is trying to like pick it apart to find his friend like everything about him says good guy maybe an idiot because he like trusts a lot of people that maybe he shouldn't trust but good guy so i like him okay very good choice both of you fantastic choices so far and I'm going to give uh, my MVP to, uh, I'm going to give him to Theo. Out of the people that are left, I feel like he got a little bit more to do in this episode. And even though clearly he's in a situation that is incredibly shifty and shady, I feel like he's someone that I can root for. Like, like I feel like we might get some character development and growth there which is something that I think we can look forward to. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Mai Tais? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Mai Tai. Priscilla, you're up first. How would you rate the first episode of AHS NYC? 
okay, I feel like I'm going to be the Russian judge this episode. Because although it intrigues me, I, I still felt the whole, like, it's hard to connect with anybody. But I feel like... Also, and I completely agree with all with what you were saying that like it feels like Dahmer. So I don't know. Like it feels fresh for AHS, but it doesn't feel fresh for Ryan Murphy. So should I be ranking it based on what a like the fact that this is new for AHS, or should I take points off? It, it it's hard. I kind of want to give it the benefit of the doubt though. I, I'm going to give it an 8, an average B, because I think it's got potential, but it still needs, like, more in-depthness into, like, give me roots for characters that I actually want to care about. Don't give me Patrick. I don't want Patrick. Patrick sucks. Like, give, give me more. So we're starting off with a solid 8 from Priscilla. Maddie Fitz, what about you? I think Priscilla's hilarious. Because uh, she's like, I'm going to be the Russian judge. I'm going to give it an 8. And I'm over here like, oh, I'm going to give it a 6. <laughs> oh, shit. Lol, that's funny. You forget <laughs> that uh, Maddie Fitz knows many languages. Oh, man. I, yeah, man, a 6. I mean, and okay, honestly, I'm giving it a 6 because I have high hopes that things are going to turn around. Because we have this weird-ass side story with Billy over here and her deer, okay? And uh, I was going to say Quentin Tarantino's back. Zachary Quinto's back. Yes. And I'm super pumped about that. And we have some awesome new characters. But like I said, it's just I feel like Ryan Murphy is letting Dahmer, the world of what he, you know, just portrayed and created with Evan Peters kind of slip into American Horror Story and the season. Like I said, I'm hoping that he's going to do a Quentin Tarantino thing where it's some type of twist on, you know, the 1980s and the club kids and all that. I'm hoping it, but this episode was just kind of meh to me. I felt like I was just watching another crime show. There was nothing American Horror Story about it. And like I said, I was pissed that there was no intro because that's what makes American Horror American Horror Story is watching that first intro and seeing how cool it is and how different it is and how it's the same, you know, font and, and music every single year, but it's so different and we love talking about that and that wasn't there. So yeah, that kind of pissed me off. So a six. We've got a six, we've got an eight. I will co-sign with the eight for different reasons than Priscilla did. Priscilla sort of expressed herself that she was going to be the persnickety one. Clearly, that's Maddie Fitz. But um, I'll, I'll spin it in a more positive way. Um, I, th- I found it intriguing. I found it a little bit refreshing. You know, it did not feel American Horror Story, whether it's some of what we've been discussing, whether it's some of Netflix's Dahmer seeping into AHS. Uh, stay tuned. I'm, I have a feeling this is going to be a recurring question or discussion throughout the next couple of weeks that we see uh, AHS NYC. But for what this was as American Horror Story, it was a bit refreshing. Um, would I have liked a little bit more straight-up in-your-face horror? Yes. Uh, this season gives me, and I don't want to compare it to that just because this is, you know, we've, we've just watched two episodes, but it, it feels a little bit like AHS Cult, where it feels maybe a little too real. AHS Cult felt very real life, and this is this one feels very real life as well. And so, um, once again, stay tuned. I don't really know what that means uh, as far as the rest of the season. But uh, that reality, and, and as well as just how different it was shot, the fact that we didn't get the American Horror Story theme in this episode, just made it seem different. And, and as we sort of discussed on uh, the spinoff series uh, that's on Hulu, American Horror Stories, this season there were episodes that felt different, you know, different from the usual mold that is AHS. So is that good? Is that bad? This is just one episode. Stay tuned. But uh, I will cosign an eight, I feel like, is an appropriate number. 
And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid NYC. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? N-Y-C and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Maddie Fitz. Good night, everybody. And Priscilla. Watch out for the big daddies. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid NYC every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.